For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Before we begin, let me tell you about Peterson Toyota, who is the largest dealership in Northern Colorado, and they've been doing it for 50 years. Peterson Toyota's staff is top-notch. They'll put your needs first, and they have the best selection at the best prices. Their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. And if you're a recent college grad, they're offering an additional $500 rebate on top of existing offers. So if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. Today, we are bringing in CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker for a monthly look into the athletic department, the latest goings on. Uh, they've got some good topics to bring to you today, a lot of good discussion to have with him. So, um, looking forward to that. Thanks for listening. Before we bring Joe in, let me encourage you to stop into the Cash Restaurant at Ginger and Baker. Enjoy hand cut Colorado steaks and chops, amazing sides fine wine, and top shelf whiskey. This place will blow you away. They've also got the cafe, the bakery, the rooftop, the world-class teaching kitchen. They're all spectacular. Oh, and by the way, they've got, uh, now that the summer months are here, they've got their popsicle window open. You can stop by for amazing popsicles, strawberry rhubarb, lime coconut yogurt. They even have popsicles for your your dogs. So uh, the pup pops are awesome. Um, Your dog will love them. So stop on by. Ginger Graham has a very special thing going on here at Ginger and Baker. Stop by my favorite restaurant in all of Fort Collins, Ginger and Baker. All right, let's welcome in Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director. They've got staff back in the offices as of this week, so that's exciting. We're getting back to normal. Joe, how's everything going? Oh, great. Great, Joel. It's, um, yeah, we circled July, or sorry, June 1st as, as our return to campus for athletics. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of us have been coming back since the beginning of the academic year. Certainly all of our forward-facing, you know, frontline employees interface directly with our student athletes, coaches, sports mm-hmm. medicine in particular, academic services. You know, they've, they've been, they've been um, you know, more physically present, um, but then all the administrative units of the department, you know, some people have been coming in, but we kind of declared June 1 as, as the time that we all had to huddle up and, and get back to it. And it was a great moment. I mean, it was nice to see faces and, and now see people in corridors. And um, we lured them back with breakfast burritos yesterday morning. So. <laughs> Food helps. That, that, that always helps for uh, morning meetings. Yeah, exactly. So, Joe, um, last week, the Mountain West Television Partners announced game times for football. And as always, uh, CSU fans, and I'll put this nicely, uh, complained. <laughs> what Only exactly, a few, Michael. Only a few. Yeah. Those, those few. What exactly is the, the role that you, the universities, the Mountain West, and CBS and Fox play in determining those time slots? Um, you know, as individual member institutions, there's not really much influence that we have um, when it comes to date, you know, day of game. Uh, there's, 
there's some opportunity in the non-conference schedule for us to really have more of a, uh, a voice and, and dictate, you know, what we would choose to do. Um, you know, there'd have to be agreement with the non-conference opponent to play on a particular date. So that's, that's kind of our control lever there. You know, if you remember a couple of years ago against Arkansas that, you know, they wanted to put that on a Friday night. I, you know, we told them as a campus, absolutely not. And, um, you know, you, you, you go, you go back to the opponent and you say, Hey, there's been this request. Um, and, uh, and, and you, kind of counsel them in the direction that they want them to go. Usually they have no interest in moving off Saturday. So that was the case with Arkansas, but, you know, South Dakota state, um, you know, we felt that it, it gave us access, access to FS one. So that was, you know, kind of a, a counter to, you know, maybe the, the inconvenience that's created by a Friday game for some people. And then I, you know, the other thing too was, you know, we, ha we haven't done this in, you know, almost two years now, uh, so, so why not, you know, and the why not was, you know, hopefully people will, you know, decide that they can, you know, manage their schedules appropriately to be present and attend the game and, and hopefully the lure of, of, a in-person opportunity to support the Rams is enough to kind of overcome the, the, uh, you know, hopefully the, the minor challenges of, of getting here on a Friday night. So, you know, but, I, I, you know, Mike, I, I know, you know, we, we can't make decisions that are going to satisfy everyone. So you, you just, you know, you try and do what's in the best interest of as many parties as possible and, and, and pick your choice and, and, uh, and then plan appropriately around what you've decided. Yeah, I know if you, if you had your druthers, you'd probably love every game at two o'clock in the afternoon. But, um, you know, and I, I think every, every home game is an evening game or a night game, right? So um, what – What's your feeling on that? Is it, hey, this gets us exposure we're on TV every every home game, or would you say, hey, for sake of fans and afternoon tailgating, an afternoon game would be more ideal? Have you guys identified what you what your sweet spot is? Um, I, I think you said it. I mean, I, I if if we could make our choice ourselves and and even pick the broadcasting platform that's going to come in and, and cover the game, you know, I'd, I'd love to be Friday. At you know, or I'm sorry, Saturday at 2 p.m. every time. Um, I think, you know, that's a, a great, great time slot. Um, but, you know, again, you, you just can't solve everyone's scheduling issues. I mean, you know, on, on a family level, you know, I, I hear from a lot of people that, you know, that if it's later in the afternoon, evening, then they get a chance to do all the other activities with their, their kids, you know, as it relates to youth sports and, and still shoehorn the game in. So, um you know, you know, what, what I hope occurs is that, you know, we, we have uh, success on the football team and people just feel that they got to be there. They got to be a part of it. And uh, game time becomes less important, you know, as, as we move into this season and beyond. So as you mentioned, the South Dakota state, the home opener has been moved to Friday night playing on FS1 is, is great. Um, can you shed some light on how tailgating might work that day? I, I, maybe still have to figure that those details out, but I know I'll be taking the day off of work and making it an all day affair, but will I be tailgating from a bar in old town or a tailgate spot on campus? Yeah. You know, we, we've got to be sensitive to, to, you know, the, the academic schedule. Um, you know, we started to work already with the provost's office on uh, trying to get an inventory of how many classes might be occurring, you know, say after 3 PM 
on that Friday. That'll give us an idea of, you know, is there an opportunity to start opening some lots, maybe not all. We, we've done this once before with Canvas Stadium, you know, a, a non-Friday or non-Saturday game, and and it worked well. And so it's just been reminding people on campus that, you know, we've, we've got the game plan, we've we've run the game plan, um, you know, we learned a few things from that experience that, that we can introduce into this. Uh, the good news is, is that this, this campus can manage a game day and manage um, an academic uh, day as well, an academic schedule. You know, we, we, we've learned that. Um, Joel, what I, you know, I don't have specifics yet, but, you know, we'd like to at least get the lots open early enough so that if you choose to have, you know, an abbreviated tailgate, you can do it. You know, I don't think we're going to be able to do what we do on a football Saturday um, with, you know, that level of flexibility. But, you know, when we positioned this, um, Last time we did it, which was in, shoot, 19, was it? 19, yes. Yeah, yeah. Wyoming. Uh, yeah, Wyoming. We, uh, you know, we kind of approached it as, you know, treat it a little bit more like a basketball game as opposed to a football game with, you know, planned arrival and what you might be doing, you know, get into the, get your car parked and, and move to the stadium as quickly as possible. But I think I think we'll probably be able to open up a little bit for, you know, tailgating. I'd like to, you know, I think it, it's good to get people kind of in that routine again. And, and certainly that's the first game. So, um, uh, you know, we'll have more details um, probably by July, once we kind of work on what the academic schedule and the potential impacts there could be. You know, there's, we'd all like to think that there's going to be people that are chomping at the bit to get back to sporting events. We're seeing it now in, in professional sports. But you've also, um, you've mentioned that at CSU, there's going to be two classes of CSU students who have never attended a football game at Canvas Stadium. So um, we're coming into the, the season with a handful of non-winning uh, records over the last few years. Um, do you think there's going to be a need for reinvigorating and engaging the fan base to get them back? Um, or are you pretty confident that people are itching to get back in the stadium? Um, is there anything in the works that might help with reengaging and getting people back in? Yeah, you know, it's, it's always, it's about communication, um, you know, and with our students, you know, that that's what we're going to do. You know, we've got some great, great personalities with our coaches, you know, both in football and, and uh, across the other, other programs as well. So we're going to, you know, work with, um, you know, Greek life, we're going to work with student affairs, we're going to work with uh, ASCSU and, and other student organizations on campus to kind of you know, project and amplify the message of, you know, we need them there. We want them there. Um, you know, we're going to, we're, we're, you know, I, I think the ticket office and, and uh, Chris Ferris's team are actually working on some, some planning for recent grads that, that haven't been able to attend a game uh, since 2019 that, you know, there may be an opportunity for them to, to, uh, you know, take advantage of access to, to the student section. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're inclusive and, and provide opportunity, but it, it all kind of dials back to communication. And, and I think we've got a great, great uh, team, um, you know, that Kyle Neves is a part of. And, you know, our broadcast services team, I'd put the content that they create and the storytelling that they do up against anyone in the country at any level. Um, so we're going to utilize all those assets and resources to to, to get the word out and, and we can always count on the two of you at Ram nation to, to do your part as well, you know, and, 
and, and, and I don't know, you know, we've talked about this, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get the disappointment that fans have when it's not the ideal, ideal time that fits their schedule, but you know, there is, there is that aspect of the greater good and the appeal to being, you know, part of this community and, and embracing it. And, and, you know, when we, when we flip to, you know, higher levels of success, you know, we want to make sure that everyone, you know, understands the role they played in that. So, um, shoot, I was at Oklahoma and, and they had a decade of meteorology and a program that had great tradition. And, uh, you know, once we kind of got things back on track, it was funny how many people said, oh, I was there for every one of those games, you know, and, and you know, you knew they weren't. So, you know, <laughs> the bandwagon's a wonderful thing and, and we're going to invite everyone, anyone who wants to be a part of it onto it. But, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you got to be outside the wagon, pulling the wagon instead of being inside the wagon riding, you know, riding the, the good fortune. So we need, we need people to, you know, pick up their responsibility and, and help us advance. You know, the only people that are going to care about what's happened on this campus are Rams. You know, you can't count on people down South or up North giving a hoot about what's happening on our campus. So if we want to be something special. We got to make it happen ourselves. Speaking of the bandwagon, um, do you, do you feel, do you think, Coach Adazio and staff feel like there's a little bit of some urgency to to perform this season and I, get those fans on board. I don't I don't know a football coach or a coach in any sport that doesn't feel urgency. Um, you, you know, I mean it 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 makes life a lot easier for everyone when you're when you're winning. Um, and uh, you know, so yeah, I. I don't, there, there's no question in my mind that, you know, they're, they're putting every ounce of their effort into making sure that this team is ready to perform, understands the roles that they, they play on the field, whether you're a starter or part of the two deep or otherwise, you know, I, I think they've really, really focused on a culture of accountability and, and I think the guys are embracing it. And I, I think they've, they've got the right people in the locker room to amplify that message and, and, um, you know, I think they're fully prepared and they're excited and energized and, you know, they'll come back to campus later this month and, and begin preparations. And a lot of what they're going to be doing in the weeks in advance of, you know, actual camp are going to be laying the foundation for what this season can be as they were doing through the spring. Do you have a, an idea in mind on what you would deem a successful season? Is it a bowl game? Is it a Mountain West championship? Is it 500 record? <laughs> I think it's always postseason play, you know, especially early on, you know, when you're, when you're trying to really kind of lay the foundation. I mean, that's, that's, you know, what, what, uh, you know, you, you, you've certainly, you know, won more games than you lost if you're in the postseason. Um, you've, uh, you've also given a gift to the program and some additional days of preparation to continue to grow as a football program. Um, and you, you open up another opportunity to compete, you know, you know, we, we, we did that early on in Mike's, in Mike's tenure, you know, we were never able to win the game. So, you know, it's postseason and it's getting that victory. I think that really kind of becomes hopefully the springboard for, you know, more and, and more consistent sustained success. Yeah. Our, we talked last, last month about the, the great schedule you've been putting together here in, in the coming years, some really great fun opponents on there. Um, you know, during the height of the Sunny Lubick area, the Rams made a habit of winning some of those big games. And that really did springboard the program forward, kind of gave it that national name. And, 
you know, we were always on national TV and, and pulling some of those games off. Do you feel that this program is on the trajectory where we're not just scheduling some of these big games, uh, but there's, there's a chance we can go in there and win, uh, maybe even expect to win a lot of those. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, there's 65 of those schools that get the privilege to play within an A5 conference. You know, there's a lot of differentiation between those schools. Um, you know, there's still only the ability to sign 85 scholarship mm-hmm. players and then, you know, build a roster out to, you know, usually given any, you know, given the school and its resources, you know, maybe, maybe 110 to 125, you know, players in total, you know, when you include the, the walk-on cohort. Um, so there's, you know, there's always that opportunity, you know, and I, I think we've got a lot of uh, m- mature um players on our, in our program. Uh, Steve's done a, you know, a great job kind of utilizing that, that transfer option and finding graduate transfers that, you know, have experience under his leadership, you know, pulling some Boston college kids here that, uh, that, you know, we, we've seen make a difference, you know, um, you know, I hate to call out individual guys, but Scott Patchen, I mean, that, that kid has a motor doesn't stop. I mean, he is, he has been, uh, I think, a, a a big part of, you know, helping, uh, helping some of the younger players understand the, what you have to bring each and every day to, to improve as a, as an individual player and, and then make sure that those improvements layer into, you know, the performance of the team. So, you know, I, I think we're, we're beginning to understand as a team, you know, what it's going to take to, to win at a high level. And, and when week over week, you know, they call it a season for a reason, you know, so you're not going to measure it on any one game, but, but you want to be able to look back across, you know, 12 or 13 opportunities of play and feel like you've done everything possible to, to win games and, uh, and not make excuses for when you've come up short. Joe, I, I want to congratulate you on the hire of uh, Keely Hagan. Uh, it was announced yesterday uh, for women's soccer. Would you, uh, share with our listeners her background and what the hiring process entailed. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to think. It, you know, the process began three weeks ago or so. Um, you know, we uh, we talked as a, a, a leadership team within athletics some of the characteristics that we thought would be important to um, leadership for our soccer program. We had conversations with our students. We did one in person and then another group couldn't be there in person. So we did it virtually and we kind of put all those thoughts together. Um, You know, we, you know, obviously you want to find someone that, you know, has uh, impeccable character that, that really, um, you know, isn't going to make any any compromise as it relates to, you know, adhering to integrity, you know, so that's the, the absolute commitment to compliance and in, in the space of the NCAA and, and, and the rules, you know, we wanted to identify someone that, that had a proven track record of being a, a winner. Um, not, not always important, but, but particularly, I think in, in soccer, from my opinion, um, you know, some of themselves that, that had been a high-level player and maybe even had had a, a pro career. Um, you know, I, I always 
look for this, but, you know, we don't always find it, but prior head coaching experience is important. I think in some cases, familiarity of the West was, was one of those criteria, someone that's a proven recruiter. Um, and then probably the most important piece for me was, you know, someone that's a culture builder, you know, that really has been a part of teams either as a player and, and even better as a coach where they've really dialed in and understood, you know, how to build the, an appropriate culture where everyone from, you know, the, the number one person on the team to, you know, the third person or the 30th person on the roster, you know, really embraces the role that they're going to play to, to, you know, become great as a program. And then I really think for us, you know, Mike, and I, I think you would agree, Joel, you know, what, what really speaks to the personality of our programs and our most successful programs is, you know, tough grinder, blue collar mentality. I mean, that's the attitude I think that that our, our our most successful teams have embraced. I think that's something that resonates with our fan base. Um, you know, it's what I see from the people that graduate this institution. You know, they just they're not afraid to roll their sleeves up and and work harder than anyone around them to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish with their lives and, and for us with our programs. So. Um, you know, I think when it when it came to the end of the day, and, and and we ran a great process. I think we we really worked hard to recruit. You know, a highly qualified candidate pool. We narrowed it to uh, really kind of four finalists that made campus visits, and I want to applaud each one of those people. I mean, it's it's tough. You 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 make a huge emotional investment when you're you know kind of putting yourself in that place, you know, kind of pulling yourself out of your, your current role and envision yourself doing something different. And that different would have been, you know, to, to, you know, lead our program, you know, you're, you're putting a lot into it, you know, and, uh, and ultimately we've got to make a choice. We've got to select one person in our case out of that, that, that group of four that came to campus. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I felt most comfortable with, with coach Hagen. Um, you know, she checked, in my opinion, every one of those boxes, with the exception of being a head coach, um, she was a high-level player at the University of Tennessee, um, three-time All-American. Uh, you know, pivotal to the growth of that program. You know, I think she she had a voice in that locker room that that you know elevated that program. She knows what it is to be a player that that uses you know, your voice to, to help, you know, amplify culture, you know, the messaging that comes from the coaching staff. Um, she played in a professional uh, opportunities, you know, she domestically and internationally, she was a national player at the U19 and U21 level. She tried out for the, the U.S. national team, I think on three occasions and fell short. So she knows how to kind of manage adversity and, and learn through those experiences. And then uh, she aligned herself with a great head coach and some really terrific mentors. One of the things that, that wasn't communicated in the press release, when she was at Tennessee, uh, the, the soccer staff officed across the hallway from the women's basketball staff and the head coach at the time was Pat Summit. I think everyone knows who Pat Summit is, right? And, and Pat basically took that whole staff, including Keeley under her wing and mentored her in every way possible um, and and up to Pat's death she had a personal relationship 
with, uh, you know, Keely had a personal relationship with her. So those are all the things that are, you know, not, not really captured in a, in a bio or a press release, but, um, you know, she's, she's even keel. She's very steady in her approach to all things. And, um, I, I asked her, I said, if, if you weren't coaching, what would you want to be doing with your life? And she said, without hesitation, I'd be a fighter pilot. And, and I, I just, I don't know, there was something about that, you know, the whole, the whole time I spent with her that just communicated something to me that, you know, here's someone that wants to quietly kick ass and really do their best to grow a program and, and create the right experience for our students and, and manage, you know, a difficult dynamic because you can only put, you know, 11 players on the field, you know, on the, you know, so it's, you know, there's a lot going on and, and a lot of things that, that need to be, um, you know, uh, managed and dealt with. And I felt I felt that Coach Hagan, you know, checked those boxes and, and more than that. And I'm excited to have her here. Uh, she's actually she's been driving to North Carolina. She had a friend, I think, that had a uh, couldn't fly for some reason. So she she decided to help that person make the trek across country. And she's been nonstop on the phone. She's called me about three times yesterday, already once today, you know, it's putting her staff together. She's got two people that are coming to campus, I think next week to, to make their final decision on whether they want to join her here as being a CSU Ram. So I've, I've talked a lot, Mike, but I'll, I'll stop now. And hopefully that answered your question. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm ex definitely excited for background, especially as you said, internationally, that I think that's going to be a huge plus for this program and, and look forward to the next few years. So with this next question, uh, AJ Ott uh, finished strong uh, in uh, NCAAs in, in men's golf. The men's track and field team, I think, won their fourth straight Mountain West title, including if you include indoor as well as outdoor. Uh, women finished second in the Mountain West. But with those sports wrapping up, uh, outside of three, three of our male athletes competing in nationals for track, our sports programs are done for the academic year. When you reflect back on 2021, uh, what are the areas where we want to see improvement? And uh, what are the, the positives that we experienced as, as CSU Rams? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest, biggest thing was is that we, we stood up a Division One athletic department on our campus, and, and we were able to put teams in a position to practice and compete. Um, obviously, some of the seasons for programs were compromised by, you know, what was taking place, you know, at the moment with with COVID. Um, but I think as I reflect back, you know, we did what we said we were going to do. Um, you know, we were able to get our student athletes back involved with the programs that they love, you know, with their teammates and, and able to compete. Um, you know, one of the things I also talked about extensively with staff and, and occasionally with students is, you know, we didn't want to do, you know, um, uh, you know, any unnecessary self-harm as it related to, you know, drastic budget decisions. You know, we, we're going to meet our plan this year for what we submitted as a budget um, last, last summer and uh, probably be able to deliver some, some savings back, back to the university. Um, and I think that's a, a huge thing. And, you know, again, not, not simply athletics driven, but, you know, some choices that were made at the systems level and, and on campus with president McConnell's leadership, uh, we, we didn't, we didn't have to, 
lay off anyone. We didn't have to furlough. We didn't have to take any salary reductions. So I think that was a major accomplishment. Um, and we, we kept all of our student athletes that we'd guaranteed financial aid to on financial aid. Things we could have done better, I think, that we've learned from that we're going to really work hard on as we move forward. Uh, communication, I think, you know, early on, I think we, there was just so much uncertainty, you know, in the first probably eight to 10 weeks, you know, after we left campus in March, we didn't really know what to say to students, but, you know, the choice was instead of saying anything that might've been wrong, we just kind of didn't say enough at all, you know, just even, even letting them know that we, you know, there was just uncertainty and ambiguity and we're trying to sort through it and, you know, be patient. I mean, I think that would have been, you know, valuable. Um, the separation, you know, the fact that, you know, um, you know, if you weren't in the team bubble, you, you know, you weren't close to the team. So, uh, you know, we, we, we weren't around our, our students and staff as much as we would be in an ordinary year. I think that that was some challenging, um, you know, some of the things that, that have created challenges, you know, so what are we going to do about those things? I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of re-envisioning how we approach sport administration and, and how we inform students of all of the people that play a role in, in creating an experience for them. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to double down on, on, you know, being present and more available and accessible and visible and engaging with students and staff members, um, you know, just to, to build, you know, stronger relationships. You know, I want them all to understand how much each and every one of us care about the experience that they're having. You know, I want each and every one of our staff members to understand that the purpose of their job is the mission of this department, which is to educate, engage, and excel. I don't care if you're taping an ankle, uh, capturing content, um, selling tickets, you know, the purpose of your role is, is that, I mean, it, it's to educate our student athletes, it's to engage community to this campus, and it's to figure out a way to excel in everything we do uh, to the level in which, you know, our teams win more contests than anyone else in the Mountain West, and we're viewed as the preeminent program in this league and the preeminent program in the group of five. All right, thanks. So I have one more question. Um, this comes up dozens of times throughout the year on Ram Nation, but especially during May and June. Um, now, you've been at schools like Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Baseball, baseball, yeah. baseball. With base, strong baseball <laughs> programs. Now, obviously, this is 100% hypothetical, um, but what would be the financial needs to not only start a program, but then to maintain it. And then what would be the Title IX needs uh, requirements uh, for other sports and then those financials? Because I know I, I explain it all the time and no one wants to listen, but coming from you, I mean, I think it'd be great to yeah. hear yeah. all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I love all sport, you know. I mean, you know, we've got 16 varsity programs and, and, and we operate – this experience for 380 student athletes on a budget, non-compromised COVID budget of about $52 million. So the question about <clears throat> question about baseball, you know, in, in the world that we live in in higher education, you know, we, we couldn't just simply add a roster of male student athletes on a baseball team. We would then also have to look at it, 
creating the same number of opportunities for women to participate in sports and the scholarship, those women at the same level to maintain our current, um, our current compliance with Title IX. So a baseball team, Cal, it's been a while since I've looked at a baseball budget, but they're, they're, they're more expensive than most um, Olympic sport programs. Uh, just, just the, the frequency of travel is crazy with a baseball team, you know, just the, the, the schedule that's played. So I, I'm going to, this is a wild guess, right? On, on, but, you know, with some, some background, it's probably at minimum about $1.6 million annually to operate a baseball program. You know, that's to equip the team, pay salaries, pay scholarships, travel the program, provide the appropriate nutrition, um, you know, and then, and then, I'm, you know, that's not even thinking about, you know, some of the support services that we'd have to expand, you know, with sports medicine, um, you know, academic services, you know, the requirement to, to, to cover, to tell the stories of, of that program, you know, so that's all the marketing communications, broadcast services aspects. Um, and then you don't even have facilities. So you're, 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 you know, you're, you're spending 1.6 million a year. Say we could do it efficiently because we always do. Say it's 1.4 million a year. Um, you know, then you got to go add another women's program, you know, and, and it may not be the same budget, but it's probably if it's an Olympic sport program, same, same uh, roster, similar roster size, similar scholarship count. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, then it's, you know, say 1.1. So, so now we're spending two and a half million dollars that we don't have every, every year. That's not just a one-time investment, but every year we're spending two and a half million dollars. And then, oh, by the way, baseball doesn't have a facility to play uh, in. And then that women's sport program probably doesn't either. So then you've got to figure out, you know, how to, how to, you know, find the capital resources to invest in facilities. So, you know, baseball, I mean, that's, you can maybe do a really modest facility for seven or $8 million. And so you, maybe you spend the same on a women's, you know, if it's lacrosse, you know, maybe we not have to make the same investment from a facilities perspectives because we got, we got fields, you know, at Canvas Stadium and otherwise. But so you can see it adds up in a hurry. Now, everyone that I've ever heard say, why don't you do it has never followed up with, I'm here to support you financially. Um, and I'm prepared to recruit others to that effort. Um, so I appreciate those thoughts. I wish that, you know, there's a, a grove of money trees here at Colorado State University that I could simply just go out to and, and the Arboretum, maybe that'd be a good place to grow money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just, fill bushel baskets and, and take it down to, you know, um, you know, campus credit in and open an account and just start going. But, um, you know, it, it, it sounds easy Add baseball, but it does hard. Right. I mean, everything I just described, you know, then, but, and at the same time, we're trying to do that. We've got to do everything with our existing staffing resources to operate the 16 varsity programs that we already have. And we got to find a way to fund $52 million every year to keep those programs going. So, so Mike, Mike and I would give you a, a deal on coaching salaries if you'd hire us. So that would save you a little bit of money. You still need beer and pizza money, guys. I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure where we've even got that right now. So, 
<laughs> so I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, does it does it some does it seem unfair that that you know? I mean, that we don't have baseball when people make the request. I mean, you know. You know, I, I know, I know. I've told this before. Joel was on the team when it was dropped. I was in high school, and I received a recruiting letter after my junior year. And then they dropped the program two months later. And I figured, well, if they're sending me a recruiting letter, it's probably a good idea that they're uh, dropping the program. So you had guys like me on the roster. They definitely had to cut the, cut the program. But, but having said all that, I mean, I, I, I've been to Omaha with the Texas Tech baseball team and there's nothing. I mean, the College World Series is special. And the fact that they keep it cited in one community and that community just every year kind of spins a flywheel, it is it's awesome. You know, I mean, if, if we had the resources, I'd love to say that we we're going to add the sport and, you know, provide an opportunity for CSU student athletes to go to Omaha. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. But yeah, you know, I think I told you, Joe, that my brother played baseball at Michigan uh, under your friend, coach Maloney uh-huh. uh, for at least one of his years. He had three different head coaches in four years, but uh, yeah. So they, my brother traveled to, to Omaha a couple of years ago was or his last year during COVID or no, it was two years ago when they made the college world series. Uh-huh. Um, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. There's nothing like that. Pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, I got one last question, Joe, and, and I pre- preface this by saying that I have had an affinity and a sense of pride in the Mount West conference since CSU helped found the league in 99. Um, and I believe CSU first needs to be doing its part to elevate our conference. Um, However, these topics are always really fun for us fans to discuss, and they're always rampant on the internet. Uh, and since we have you, I'd love to get your take. An, an article popped up yesterday online saying that uh, the American Athletic Conference Commissioner, Mike Oresco, is supposedly proposing a, an aggressive plan that would include expansion to a Western group of schools, including CSU, Boise State, San Diego State, and move to 14 teams. I'm guessing you couldn't even share those conversations if, even if they had been taking place. But hypothetically, if an opportunity like this came about, how would you weigh like the pros and cons? You know, if it meant a tie into the power six or whatever you call it, you know, the, the autonomous six, uh, autonomous five, and which would become six, I suppose that would make it a no brainer. You got to You got to make that jump. But then you're also looking at longer travel. You lose longtime rivalries and regional matchups. Just curious as to where you fall on, you know, conference realignment opportunities like this? And do you listen if a call like that came your way? Yeah, I think any anytime there's real data and, you know, a real possibility uh, beyond, you know, a concept to evaluate, you know, I think, I think, you know, as an institution, you've got to do your appropriate due diligence to understand that that's something that would be, um, you know, beneficial to the mission of the institution, you know, so in our case, Colorado State. Um, but, you know, the things that you need to think about are some of the things that you pointed out, you know, um, you know, there was there, you know, I, I, I think there was some reports last early fall about Boise State in particular with the, the AAC. And if I'm not mistaken, some of those conversations that may have been occurring we're about football only. So I think for us, you know, any evaluation would have to include all of our programs. I don't know how you, you know, even though, you know, from an economic perspective, football is so important to the department and the operation of the other sports. 
Um, I don't know how you make a move to a league and then, and then, you know, create uncertainty or, you know, maybe not the same level of competition for your other programs. I think that's, that's just, you know, not, uh, not, a, I don't think that's an appropriate decision for someone that's, you know, supposed to steward, you know, an athletic department, not simply a department of intercollegiate football. Right. Um, I, I care about those 15 other programs as much as I do about football. You know, my own experience was as a Olympic sports student athlete. And I know the way that, you know, those programs help shape lives and provide access to education, all those things. So, you know, I, th I think, I think any conversation would, would require, you know, a dialogue about full membership of all the programs. And then you've got to think about budget implications. You know, if your geography changes dramatically, you know, that's going to, that's going to have, you know, real challenges to, you know, how you resource uh, programs to travel. And, um, you know, so then that kind of speaks to, you know, what, what are the, what are the, you know, from a broadcasting rights perspective, you know, what, what are the economics there? You know, the AAC, I think, you know, they state their deal and it's, it's more than, you know, the membership of the Mountain West receives individually through, through our relationship with, with, uh, CBS and Fox, but I think those schools are also obligated to a, a higher level of production costs on their campus. We don't spend any money to uh, to put broadcasts on uh, Fox or CBS, and I, I don't think that's the case for the AAC with with their relationship with ESPN. Um, you know, the other thing, you know, with with their deal in particular that I think is possibly a point of aggravation. I, have, I haven't seen much reported on it, but a lot of the content is behind, you know, the ESPN paywall. Now, more, maybe more and more people are subscribing and feeling comfortable with that model. But um, I know a lot of Rams, you know, uh, you know, they enjoy consuming content, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, without much financial um, obligation on their part. So I can only imagine the emails that we'd receive for a while about, you know, what a stupid decision you just made you're just now depriving us you know it was all a money grab it's all about you know you know and, and that's that's an element that i think i i would need to consider you know um and, and then you're right i mean i i i think one of the one of the real um travesties uh one of the real casualties probably more appropriately of a lot of the conference realignment that we've seen is just the separation from, from some really historic and traditional rivalries. And I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I think you're, you're giving up a lot, you know, Texas, Texas, A&M, Oklahoma, Nebraska, even though they're playing this year, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Missouri, Kansas, you know, those, th those things, you know, in my opinion, are what has helped to grow the enterprise of college sports to the level that, you know, drives the passion that allows us to create opportunity to educate students, you know, not only in football and men's basketball, but across a lot of other programs, you know, you know, those two, those two, you know, not in our level necessarily, absolutely, but, you know, they pull the economic train that allows a women's gymnastics program to to uh, you know, be be an option, or you know, any any you know any Olympic sport program, you know, and I and I think that's 
there's, there's been no one that's looked at this from a global perspective and really tried to make a full assessment of all the trade-offs when you make decisions. And, and I think so often we end up, you know, making a decision and then we, we have to suffer through all the unintended consequences and, um, you know, but, but to, to answer your question, you know, I mean, you know, I think, you know, if uh, the phone rang and they wanted us to assess, evaluate, I think we would. Um, I think we'd do it, you know, uh, in a transparent manner with, you know, the appropriate conversations at the Mountain West Conference level. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I honor those relationships and I believe in the people that we're aligned with and, and I want their programs to be great. I just want our program to be greater than theirs. And you're right. It's those it's those rivalries, those regional matchups that uh, that make college sports different than than pro. And it's, yeah. Yeah. We, you're right. We've lost a little bit of that. Hey, I, I got a teaser for you. So Kyle might he might step on my toes later or be upset <clears throat> with me. I can't see what he's how he's responding right now because he's got a screen shut off. But, uh, you know, speaking of rivalries, we, we sent the boot to a secret location to get uh refurbished and uh kyle's going to tell that story and it's going to be an exciting story to tell we look forward to hearing it next month maybe right kyle <laughs> right right that sounds good I, I i assume that john hearn was behind some of this we don't make if, if it involves any kind of history and tradition of our program we don't make we don't we don't really take a step without john hearn being attached to the decision so yes what a jewel he has been for for our yeah, school yeah. well joe I, I appreciate your time as always and thanks for enlightening us with uh, the latest happenings and and your your thoughts on on all things rams so really appreciate it yeah guys always appreciate getting together with you all when do we get to do this in person soon yeah that would be great wouldn't that be great? That would then be once great. We, then once we finish, we could have a, you know some iced old Aggies nearby. And can we make that happen, please? I'd be all up for it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let. Uh, I'll 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 talk to Kyle about that. We'll see if we can make it happen before the summer's over. We'll do that. We're we could do a live. We could do a live podcast. We could bring a whole bunch of people together. How about that? There we go. Let's just turn this into a. How many Ram? How many Ram Nation people do you think would show up for a live podcast on the New Belgian porch? Ooh, that might be a good number. If there was, if you provided beer, there would be hundreds. <laughs> It'd be a sellout, forty thousand. <laughs> See, there you go again. You know, everyone's pockets are sewn shown, shown shut. What's going on? You know, if you made beer available, if there's beer, beer there. Yeah, that's easier. That's easier. All right. All right, gentlemen. Thanks, Thanks Joe. All yeah, right. Thank you very much. All right. Before we go, let me encourage you to treat yourself to Mighty River Brewing Company. They have 15 beers on tap, including the return of Beachside Pineapple Pale Ale. It's back this week, an amazingly refreshing summer beer. And they recently released their Little Brookie Hazy Ale, which is their first ever low-calorie, low-carb brew. You can enjoy that and all the other beers for $5 on Mondays and Tuesdays. Then they got food trucks regularly throughout the week and music on weekends. Stop in and say hi to my buddy, Dan Miller, longtime Ram Nationer, great CSU Ram fan. Don't forget to show Ram Nation on your phone. Get a dollar off your beers. Support these guys. They're great guys. Great business. Great beer. And maybe we can have one of our uh, future podcast episodes up there. 
Uh, we're looking, definitely looking forward to having a Ram Nation gathering there at one point the, the, this fall, hopefully. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Michael. Very special thanks to Joe Parker for joining us again. Uh, and Associate AD for Communications, Kyle Neve, for helping set this up. Always good to talk to CSU Rams. Have a great rest of the week and go Rams.